0: Welcome to Pharmacy to Dose, the critical care podcast, a partner of the ACP Critical Care PRN and a member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. And I'm your host, Nick Peters. And wherever you are and however you are listening, thank you. And this is... The October Trial of the Week, and we are reviewing a landmark study today in emergency medicine featuring tranexamic acid. I'm joined by Ruben Santiago to discuss the 2019 Lancet article, Crash 3. We set the scene, review what previous studies found with TXA and trauma. How would Rubin characterize the ultimate findings, positive, negative? Uh, Then we dive in and dissect this study before discussing how we use TXA now, both guideline recommendations as well as in the viscoelastic testing era. And then also love that we get to highlight Rubin's 2023 Pharmacy 2-Dose Award uh, our social media star. Uh, So sit back. This is an absolutely fun trial of the week, and it starts right now. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armor All, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armor All products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall. Less work, more clean. Terms apply. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Well, this guest has been, I want to say probably over a year in the making Getting him on the pod, and it took winning an award to make it happen. Today's Trial of the Week guest, Ruben Santiago. Now, Ruben is an emergency medicine pharmacy specialist and RPD of the emergency medicine PGY2 program at Jackson Memorial Hospital in Miami, Florida. You likely know him from his Instagram account, at the ED Trauma which award winner for the Instagram social media star for the 2023 Pharmacy to Dose Awards, Ruben, welcome. How are things down south?
1: Hey, what's up, Nick? Thanks for having me on the pod today. Huh? Things are going good, man. Still sunny outside. Everything's going great. Yeah, and I think you're kind of in the same boat with the Texans that I've had
0: on, right? It's basically like you survived melting season. I think that's what we're going to nickname summer down south. So you made it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so first things first, got to give you your flowers for the award, the awesome Instagram account. I guess the one question I have is what, what started it? What like, was there, was there something that like started the, the Instagram account to where it became now, or was it just kind of like a gradual thing?
1: It was more like a gradual thing. Like I, I, was seeing other accounts out there, like looking at their take on healthcare, and I was like, I, I know I could probably do something not only would it be educational, but kind of give my spin uh, on on uh, certain topics and like present them in a, in a way that hasn't been presented before. So it kind of started with like little ideas like that. And it's kind of just more and more people ended up liking it and finding it funny. I kept getting DMs and stuff and I was like, all right, let's roll with it. Let's yeah. keep going. So,
0: <laughs> it's... so I kind of kept it on. It's really good. The one that the one that made me chuckle most recently it was the. Uh it's a picture of Tyler Hero after he made a three. And uh, I think the quote was, when the Vank level comes back right within range. He's kind of got this yeah. like <laughs> snarl look on his face, kind of like doing almost like the Conor McGregor walk a little bit, like some swags. So it's very funny. Everyone give a follow. It is uh, a great humorous take, especially from a pharmacist perspective on uh, all that's going into healthcare. care. Um, so let's uh, get into the trial of the week the crash 3 trial and normally okay we're going to start a little differently let's start with the multiple choice question here um and when we're thinking about let's like there were other studies before but thinking about the big ones before crash 3 crash 2 and the matters trial specifically how would you yeah. describe the prior studies with txa and trauma would you say they're positive neutral negative or is it complicated
1: overall i would say that it was a net positive result uh, from my take um, looking at um, the results from the crash two and the minus trial. But when you actually dial into the data of like the other trials that have evaluated TXA in trauma patients, you almost go to like, well, maybe it's a little bit more complicated. So like overall, the the two big trials did show a benefit in this patient population for uh, trauma patients and those getting TXA. Like, CRASH-2 kind of kicked off the party, the the TXA party. And after those results were published, the TXA use, like, pretty much exploded everywhere. So every single trauma patient was getting it, even though there were some caveats and shortcomings with the CRASH-2 trial. So, like, not many patients got blood. Like, only 50% of patients got blood. When they did get blood, it was a low amount of blood volume that they'd receive. Uh, There were a lot of blunt trauma patients. It was done in you know, middle to low income countries without advanced trauma systems. Um, with all that being said, though, those results were applied and kind of extrapolated to everybody using TXA. And then in the MATTERS trial, what really stood out to me was the benefit seen in that patient population where those patients who were receiving blood at the same time, that got TXA with more benefit in those receiving massive transfusion. So I think those two trials, um, have a net positive result for the use of TXA in trauma patients. But there are some studies out there that also show that the use of TXA in some trauma patients had no effect.
0: Yeah. When from like when I was training, uh, the crash two, I think was like my first look at like how polarizing when you look on the surface, right. And you look at the results, It makes sense that we were giving TXA to everybody, but that was your first kind of, you know, the devils in the details. And you go in and you're like, oh, I actually have like 15 notes about this trial and some of the findings and things. Um, So you you highlighted a few of those. What findings from those prior studies, what were signals or things or hypothesis generating outcomes they found that led to the design and creation of trial we're talking about today, the crash three?
1: So for the for the crash three trial there were some smaller studies that looked at TXA and TBI specifically and there was like a subset of the crash two trial that looked at TXA and TBI and what they showed was a when they when they put those studies together and did a meta analysis there was a st- statistically significant reduction in death with TXA use uh, but they didn't really evaluate or provide evidence on the effect of TXA on disability or adverse events so that kind of, I feel, led to the jumping off point for the CRASH-3 trial. Like, hey, all right, we have this data now. Let's look at just patients with TBI. We know that patients with TBI can have a higher propensity of bleeding. Hematoma expansion leads to worse outcomes. And maybe this antifibrinolytic agent can help halt the bleeding and provide better outcomes. So that kind of led to the development of CRASH-3 trial. And CRASH-3 trial then followed also. Uh, the same dosing regimen as the previous Crash Two trial, and the smaller studies of uh, one gram TXA bolus followed by one gram over eight hours.
0: Yeah, let's hit some let's hit some highlights on that. The Crash Three trial. Let's kind of get into the trial of the week. So published ahead of print in October twenty nineteen in Lancet, uh, titled "The Effects of Tranexamic Acid on Death." disability, vascular occlusive events, and other morbidities in patients with acute traumatic brain injury, aka the CRASH-3 trial. So international, multi-center, randomized, placebo-controlled trial. And this was, so 175 hospitals, 29 countries, so uh, big variety. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about those countries probably in a little bit. But enrolled TBI patients presenting within three hours of injury, their GCS was less than or equal to 12. Intracranial bleeding was seen on their CT scan, and no major extracranial bleeding. Right, so they're not they're not having other huge sources of blood loss um, contributing. So initially, in their initial um, protocol, the time window was from eight hours of injury. But this, they after the crash, too, they did an ex, the authors did an exploratory analysis, and that paper showed that TXA is unlikely to be effective if you give it after 3 hours of injury so these authors um changed the um inclusion criteria to presenting within 3 hours of injury and that led to um changing their power calculation kind of increasing their um the sample size of who they needed to meet that power uh like Ruben said we followed the classic trauma TXA dosing the gram bolus uh followed by a gram over 8 hours with uh, The primary outcome being 28 day in hospital head injury related mortality. Uh, Now the authors plan to stratify the primary outcome by three baseline characteristics: so severity of head injury, and they use that based on GCS scores, time to treatment, and age. So notable that they did they uh, they did a pre or they kind of uh, pre specified that they're going to do a sensitivity analysis excluding patients with a GCS of three and bilateral unreactive pupils. So for those who are maybe not involved in the care of trauma patients, that those, that's a poor prognostic factor and probably poor outcome. So the thought would be if we analyze without that, we'll, we'll maybe be able to get a truer sense of those that we could truly make a a difference in. Uh, So just over 9,200 patients were enrolled within three hours of injury, and 9,127 patients ultimately had that primary outcome data. So, Ruben, fill in any gaps, anything you want to highlight methodology-wise, and then discuss what, they, what the authors ultimately found.
1: Yeah, for sure. No, you, no, you described it uh, beautifully. So, yeah, they included patients, like you said, within three hours of injury with a GCS of 12 or lower, or any intracranial bleeding on CT scan. Um, and like you said, due to having those patients within um, three hours, they kind of brought down their, the amount of patients that they were able to analyze from around 12,000 to about um, 9,000 patients. Um, but everything, yeah. Uh, and then we followed the TXA one gram bolus followed by one gram over eight hours for, for this trial as well. So I think their methodology was—I mean, had to the office was amazing. They included yep. a huge amount of patients, which we often don't see in emergency medicine, sometimes critical care literature, more EM literature that we don't see that that big of an end. Um So they definitely tried um, to make the best light of how we should use TXA in this patient population. Yeah, and it's who, and if you haven't been. When
0: the patients are when patients like this present in the ED, in the trauma, bay, it, it can be chaos. So the idea of enrolling patients in a randomized trial with like a pharmacologic intervention, like, yeah, shout out to all the research teams, because it's certainly um, that's not a calm uh, environment. Lots of people, lots of things happening simultaneously. Um, so, yeah, kudos to the we got to give a shout out to the research team. That's a, a really good point there. Now, what results? What were the results of what did the What are some of the takeaways? Like, what did we ultimately find from this study?
1: All right, so like we were saying, there are about twelve thousand patients that received either a TXA or placebo, and of those, about seventy percent, or about ninety two hundred patients, actually got TXA within three hours of injury. So, when they looked at that risk of head injury related death within that that twenty eight day time frame, it was eighteen point five percent in the TXA group. Uh, versus 19.8% in the placebo group. So not like a big earth-shattering change that we were kind of all hoping for. So once they did look at the data and kind of excluded, like we said um, earlier, those patients with a GCS of 3 or bilateral unreactive pupils at baseline, um, the results were slightly different. There were a 12.5% in- injury-related death in a TXA group versus 14% in the placebo group. Again, not a huge difference that we were hoping for, mm-hmm. uh, especially when you when you want to do, like, your best for this patient population. Um, so then what they did, um, they stratified it based off head injury. So they saw that there was a reduction in head injury-related death in patients with mild to moderate head injury, so GCS of about 9 and up. Um, but this was not observed in patients with severe head injury or patients that presented with any non-reactive people. So if even one of the pupils was non-reactive, indicating um, some type of head injury, um, those patients did not um, improve their mortality in the TXA group. I want to point out real quick,
0: because when they, they, they uh, the confidence interval, when they excluded those with a GCS of three or the bilateral unreactive pupils, confidence interval is 0.8 to 1. So, what do you think? They ran right. that analysis like 200 times to try to get 0.99, yeah, exactly. right? Like, that. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: yeah. So like, are you sure?
0: Is it really one? Fragility Does index of one, to... but it doesn't matter, right? We made it. Um, sorry. So, go, exactly. go ahead. What, what else do they ultimately find? I always think it's funny when you see those confidence intervals and just seeing, right, like five patients change and who knows what these results show.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And then um, what they found was earlier treatment uh, was more effective than later treatment in patients with mild to moderate head injury. Um, when they looked at the time to treatment for a TXA and the severe head injury group, there was no obvious effect of time to treatment for that group. Um, as far as any adverse events goes uh, for this trial, the risk of vascular occlusive events, seizures, and adverse events was also similar between groups. So that's a good sign, that's good. Yeah, that's a huge take, take home. When you think about the risk benefit in these patients that present, like, is TXA absolutely indicated? Probably not. Is it going to hurt? Also probably not.
0: So let's talk about that primary outcome here for a second, because we talked about the, the time frame in this study is 28 days. And for those listening who... Are more critical care trained, work in ICUs, right? Almost, almost all the studies have gone to the ninety-day mortality or looking at those kinds of things. What is it like? What is the most appropriate time frame do you think for a primary outcome like this? Do we do we know? Because twenty-eight days almost seems like splitting the difference between like our EM and our ICU studies. Yeah,
1: I think um, twenty-eight days for this study. What was appropriate allowed for the development of like any kind of adverse reaction that may have occurred from the administration of TXA. So looking at those those outcomes, the uh, development of any kind of vascular occlusive effects that may have occurred. And what I did like about this study is they had a secondary endpoint of 24-hour mortality, which is kind of like more in our realm of what, what we want to look at and, and that and look at the effect of TXA and that time frame. Um, and those patients that got TXA had a relative risk or a risk ratio of 0.72 in 24 hours when you excluded the baseline of of 3 and those with bilateral unreactive pupils. So that get, give us like a, a glimmer of hope for, for those patients. Um, but then there's so many things that can happen within those 28 days as well that can affect mortality, uh, whether these patients develop sepsis, did they get, you know, BTE prophylaxis and a correct amount of time and all that kind of stuff and all those other things where they are appropriate to line up to really affect the, uh, see the true effect of TXA in that patient population. And it was in hospital,
0: right? So, you know, you're thinking yeah. if they got discharged within a week or two, it's probably okay, right? But it's not. That's so easy to say, right? From a research perspective, following up when people get out of the hospital, especially in some of these Um, countries where getting in touch with people could be harder right logistically it probably makes sense to keep it in hospital but just things to kind of consider as we think about comparing this trial to some of like the methodology of of how trials are getting are getting created today Um, I think the other like big notable thing with the methodology and things is the change in enrollment criteria right and of course, they had to do it, right? If we knew the three-hour info, and this was an eight-hour study, it would really be hard to know what to do with it. But how does the change in that enrollment criteria? How does it affect the interpretation of these of these results, the power calculations, things like that?
1: That's a, a great point. That and looking at it from like just from a, a global aspect, you would think that changing that criteria would lead to a net positive outcome. Yep right? Because these patients, um, you figure the longer that we're out from the initial traumatic insult, the less likely any kind of pharmacological intervention is going to do anything for this patient population. The injury's already there. You're not going to reverse anything. You're not going to prevent any further hematoma expansion or anything like that in those patients. So they did have to kind of like, um, we write their stats, like you said previously, and then they also had less amount of patients to be able to analyze from going from 12,000 to 9,000 patients. I mean, that's still a huge chunk of patients that, that they didn't include in their data set, um, that could have affected their data set as well.
0: So thinking about where are we now with this study, because, Man, I mean, trinexamic acids had some of the highest quality studies when we think about like pharmacologic interventions. So knowing all of those, and we even had the recent, right, patch trial um, come out, uh, is there an ideal trauma patient population or subset of patients or something like that 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 TXA should be considered as more of a first-line treatment? Um, like have we have we really like narrowed that down cuz i feel like the more you look into this sometimes the more muddy it feels
1: no absolutely and i definitely don't think it's a a one size fits all um, for a txa there's definitely um a subset of population that would benefit the most i feel i would say that patients that are receiving that are severely injured, that are getting multiple blood products, and you think they're progressing on their way to massive transfusion or a massive transfusion protocol is activated. Those patients will probably be served best receiving uh, tranexamic acid from a, a trauma perspective. If we're thinking just for a TBI perspective and just focusing on the crash three results again, it, not a one size fits all. I feel like the if there's any benefit, it would be somebody with mild to moderate brain injury who has both pupils that are reactive at baseline.
0: Which is why this research is important, because I think if we went into the CRASH-3 trial, you, I would have assumed, right, that you would see it in the more severe, not the, not the mild to moderate patients, but probably those moderate to severe right. um, patients. So if we're going to use it, like if if they're asking you like, hey we're, we're gonna make a protocol, maybe it's you know out of hospital transport, et cetera, what is the ideal time frame? Is it the golden hour is it like stroke or it's three hours? is it you know do do we know what what time frame we should really try to give TXA in in these trauma in these trauma
1: patients? Yeah, it seems like time to drug is like for for every single intervention these days <laughs> yep. right um so. Yeah, I would think that uh, as soon as possible and within three hours for sure. And it also depends uh, on where you practice. If you're practicing in an area with, like, really short transport times where they able to kind of, like, scoop up the patient and run to the trauma center real quick and you guys can really assess if that patient needs TXA versus giving it in the pre-hospital setting, then it's probably a, a good bet. And if you're in a place with prolonged transport times, um, where they need an airlifted patient to get to a hospital, and then that hospital needs to transfer the patient to a trauma center or a high-level-of-care trauma center. Um, and you feel like TXA is indicated, and I think, like we discussed earlier, there are really low risk of adverse events that those patients could, could probably receive it as well. Really? But definitely within as soon as possible and within three hours.
0: Where do the guidelines stand on this? Like, what are, what are guideline recommendations
1: Yeah, so there are a couple of guidelines that that mention TXA um, for for trauma patients specifically. So the European trauma guidelines uh, just came out, and their recommendation is to give TXA in patients who are bleeding or have a significant risk for bleeding as soon as possible and within at least three hours of injury. And their dosing recommendation has remained unchanged from the CRASH 2 trial, so like one gram bolus followed by one gram over eight hours. There's also the joint trauma system guidelines. Um, and they kind of recommend administering TXA, um, their dosing scheme is a little different. They recommend a two-gram bolus as close as possible to the in, the occurrence of injury and not outside of the three-hour window. In terms of, of TBI, there was the NICE guidelines that was just published this past year. And they, when they're looking at their section on head injury, they actually recommend TXA as well. And they, their recommendation for TXA is a two-gram bolus um, for patients with head injury and a GCS of 12 or less who are not thought to have any active extracranial bleeding. So I found that a little surprising based off the, the CRASH-3 results that the, a whole guideline would be like, yeah, we should be given this now. I'm like, oh, okay, because I felt like it was more hypothesis generating, like, hey, maybe we need another study just on this mild to moderate group and really figure out if PXA has a, a benefit.
0: A perfect example of how you have two large organizations that interpret and apply these results from the same study, studies differently. Um, because yeah, the... Uh, the I, the vibe, especially when you've looked at the different iterations over the past like decade or so, is that the Europeans feel much more strongly about the TXA data. It felt like than we did in North America or the U.S. Absolutely, yeah, no, I completely agree. And then I think the other thing that we'd we'd be remiss to not mention is right. How does viscoelastic testing change our interpretation of these results? Right, you mentioned. Um, one of the the big kind of criticisms or limitations of the earlier studies, right, is that we're not at the level one trauma centers in the you know U.S. and things where um, you know the treatment is going to be more of what we're used to, more of our standard of care. So, how does the the results from going to some you know smaller centers, less established trauma centers, don't have tag or viscoelastic testing, but when is TXA indicated according to viscoelastic testing and what should centers do who actually have this available to them?
1: Yeah, like uh, like you were saying, it would have been amazing to see if they were kind of some, some tag results as part of the CRASH-3 trial. Obviously, that that didn't happen. Um, and then patients that do get viscoelastic testing, it would have helped us correlate more to see if TXA worked. Um, And what we do look at um, trying to quote uh, uh, Dr. Brian Gilbert over here. Shout out to him for all his work on, on tag. Um, uh, well, he always says, uh, "When in doubt, tag it out." Right? Yep. Uh When looking at that, you, you look at the the mark you want to look at is the LY thirty. So, if the LY thirty is elevated, that can indicate some type of hyper hyper fibrinolysis that's occurring, and that's when your TXA would really benefit um, those patients. Um, if your hospital does have TEG, um, that I feel like the decision to give TXA sometimes is independent of what the TEG results say. So, like you, you have a patient that's in front of you that's requiring multiple transfusions, I'm not going to go back and look at a TEG. I'm going to give the TXA right in those patients. But if you do get a TEG and it, that decision was made not to give TXA at the time. And you have an elevated LY thirty, then for sure I'm gonna advocate and say, hey, this guy has hyperfibrinolysis. Let's let's give this antifibrinolytic agent and give this patient the best shot that we can. Well,
0: I mean, not to Visco acid testing is amazing, right? But unfortunately it's called LY30 for a reason, right? It's the last result you get. It does not happen quick. So of course exactly. the one, like, you know, we want to know there are time if we need to give PCC or, you know, what's their, what's their AA or ADP inhibition and those kinds of things. But the problem is right when they're like massively exsanguinating in front of you and you're like, well, We got 22 more minutes on the, until we get through. it's it's hard to argue to not give, to not give the loading dose and and then, you know, kind of cease, but it just makes it a little, a little challenging, but that's, that was, uh, um, when you first get used to it and you're like, Oh, that's why it's called L Y 30. It's kind of like a, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Well, Ruben, what a, what an awesome discussion going into some of the nuances with, Wait, wait. Well, I guess we need to ask: Does tranexamic acid make your emergency medicine Mount Rushmore of drugs?
1: I think it does, but only because we get to use it in so many different <laughs> ways. Not only for like trauma patients, but postpartum hemorrhage patients. Uh, quick plug: uh, uh, Dr. Kelly Wang and I wrote an article on the the uses of TXA and how they apply kind of to us in emergency medicine. You know, you know, emerging evidence for ACE inhibitor induced angioedema. Yep. Um, uh, like I said before a, in a different presentation, like TXA is like the Frank's hot of bleeding. Like, you'll put that stuff on everything. So, you know, I, I still love it. I, I, think, I still think it's absolutely viable. Keep, keep it stocked in your ER. Know, know how to give it, know how to prepare it, and know how to use it for the different indications. So
0: normally I would, I would say we need to change that with Sriracha. I'm a Sriracha man, but it's a, we're on a pretty big shortage. So we'll allow the Frank's hot substitution until, until we can get that beautiful red bottle back. Um, well, you, you likely know Ruben from his Instagram account, follow him. If not at the ED trauma Assist. And then of course he uh, is also on Twitter as well at the people's Ruben 2023 co-social media star of the year. Ruben, appreciate you coming on. Thanks for highlighting the Thank Crash 3. Thank you so much for man.
1: I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate it, Nick. Huge thanks again to uh, Ruben for joining the pod, sharing his insights. Uh, reach out to him, let, you, let him know what you think, as well as I always value your feedback. Please reach out to me at pharmacy2dose or pharmacy2dose at gmail.com. Uh, the reference list with some of the articles and guidelines that we covered today, uh, Those are, that article uh, on the TXA review that Ruben talked about that he helped write, uh, that is in that podcast episode description, description as well as the updated pharmacy2dose.com website. Hope you enjoy that. Still putting a little bit of work into it, but hopefully that is much more user and enjoyable friendly. And until next time, I'm Nick Peters and this is Pharmacy to Dose, the critical care podcast. The Critical Care PRN optimizes drug therapy outcomes by promoting excellence and innovation in clinical pharmacy practice, research, and education. For more information, go to critprn.accp.com. Again, that is critprn.accp.com.
1: Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check.
0: Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. The podcast provides general information only does not offer individualized medical or professional health care services, including pharmaceutical advice. The contents and materials in the podcast are not intended to be a substitute for inpatient pharmaceutical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Use of the contents and materials on the podcast does not constitute a pharmacist-patient relationship. As a result, the information in and materials linked to this podcast are applied at the user or patient own risk. Users and patients should consult their physician or personal health care professional. Users user or patient should not ignore or delay seeking care because of something they heard on this podcast. In case of an emergency, the user or patient should contact their physician, call 911, or go to the nearest medical emergency facility. The views and statements expressed on this podcast are those of the host and guests and should not be interpreted to reflect the official position or policy of ACP or the critical care PRN. ACP and the critical care period display any and all liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect, incidental, special, consequential, or any other damages including without limitation, loss of profits arising out of any use of reference to, reliance on, or inability to use the podcast, its contents, and materials.